This morning we're reading from Genesis chapter 1 and to the early verses of chapter 2. Listen for the word of the Lord. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the water from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome and the waters that were above the dome. And so it was. And God called the dome sky. And there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth vegetation plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let there be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, of every kind with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. And so God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so God saw everything that God had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. So we move from the Acts of the Apostles, from which we've been reading the last several weeks for our sermon series, into the Hebrew Scriptures, particularly in this book of Genesis. It is a long book, 50 chapters. We're beginning in chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to be reading various passages throughout Genesis for the next eight weeks for this sermon series we're calling Broken and Blessed. We're going to cover a lot of biblical and theological territory that will give us something to think about, and I think will feed your faith. If you'll be with us every week, I invite you to plan to be with us and to listen for God speaking to you through these ancient scriptures. Because as we explore them, we explore the nature of God and how even in the midst of great brokenness, God works to bring blessing to God's human family. Certainly, these are ancient parts of the Bible. Certainly, they're focusing on faith and not science. They're trying to teach us about the nature of God and how people and God have related over the ages. And even though it's inspired by God, it's written by humans and they have their limits. Yet still, we affirm that the Bible is the most reliable vehicle through which we come to know the nature of God. There is so much here for our edification to build us up in faith. Let's look at the major themes that this first chapter illustrate for us. There's three here I want to point out today. First, in this first chapter of Genesis, the authors want to make clear that the God they're talking about is the creator of all all the earth and everything in it. You can hear it in that very first verse. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. They're pointing us to the fact that God has started all of this. That God is the one that was in the beginning that started time, that brought all of this together. 
God is the creator, one and only. The second or the next key theme is that creation is good. You can hear it in verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. But it's not only in that third verse. That's the refrain you heard throughout this passage that God is creating and the things that God creates are good things. That God has brought us into life in this creation, which is a good creation, a good place to be. Time after time, the authors say, God looked and saw that it was good. And then finally, you hear the conclusion in verse 31 that says, God saw everything that God had made. And indeed, it was very good. Creation is good. The third thing the authors of Genesis want us to note here, I think, is that in creation, God blesses us. God not only creates, brings things together, but then blesses them or creates the opportunity for goodness to be experienced in each individual life. The purpose of creation is not just so there will be a creation, but so that people will experience goodness and blessing because of that. That's where we start as people of faith is that God's creator. Creation is good and God's purpose is to bless us. I called the sermon original blessing because it's so important to know where we start in terms of faith and theology. When we start with God is good and God made a good creation and God wants to bless us, that takes us down a very different path and paints a different portrait of the nature of God than if we start with original sin. So much of theology and what people write or say as Christians sometimes moves as if the beginning is sin or we are bad or creation is bad or evil is triumphant. But that's not how the Bible begins. That's not how the ancestors in the faith have it. They have as the first thing a good creation meant to bless each and every one of us in this foundational story for people of faith. God is a creative, loving, blessing God. Creating something we can experience as good, as joyful, as wonderful, as majestic. I have a lot of trees in the neighborhood where I live. I don't know about your neighborhood, but I love neighborhoods with old growth trees. I love the shade that provide when it's so hot and there's so many such variety, the different kind of leaves and the different shades of green and the different ways they grow. We can experience the beauty of creation by just walking around and looking at the majesty and the variety and the amazing way God has created so many different kinds of trees. And lately, if you have maple trees in your neighborhood, you've seen these little things we call helicopters or some people call whirly gigs that kind of fly around and float to the ground now as kids i remember we love this time of year walking to school or back we'd pick them up and throw them in the air and see which one would fly the longest but as an adult it's not so much fun because what i notice is how many of those fall into my gutters and then clog my downspouts just this week, I was out in my backyard, and here was a downspout full of these helicopters or these whirly gigs. There's seeds 
off of these maple trees. I thought, I'll just pull them out of there. I grabbed one handful and pull it out, and more came down. I grabbed a second handful and a third handful, finally a fourth handful before I got the gutter downspout cleared. And I thought, how many new maple trees do we need this year? Maybe one or two would do. Maybe 10 or 20 would replace those who have died. But you know what we see is that God in creation has created thousands of these helicopters or these girly wigs that you can see in creation that God is extravagant or abundant in terms of how much grows, how much lives, how much life is spread. When I walk out and see these little things floating down, I know they're looking for a place to land and root and grow and be a part of God's green creation. When I see all of that, I think there's some theology there to be learned about the nature of God. The universe seems to be created on the premise of abundance, or you could say extravagance. We hear it as we've read this morning. Verse 11 and 12 Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. Be fruitful and multiply is a phrase you also hear throughout this passage that God has created us but given us purpose, one of which is to recreate or be co-creators to multiply the goodness and the blessing throughout the creation. Diversity and abundance are given in creation as blessings. I believe the authors of Genesis want to make clear they've experienced this God, the majesty of creation, and they want to write about this God they've come to know through creation as a God who cares about us, who cares about creation, is working to bless each and every one of us when we are created. And this God has been at work to do this good work since the beginning and continues to work even today for our good and on our behalf. We see this same kind of blessing mentality revealed in the teachings of Jesus. In his longest sermon that's recorded in the Gospels, he begins by talking about blessings. Have you ever noticed that? You can find it in Matthew 5 or Luke 6. If I read it to you out of the New Revised Standard Version, it would be familiar. If you've been in church long at all, you would have heard these blessings. I'm going to read it today out of Dr. Eugene Peterson's translation, the message version, because I think it'll strike your ears and hearts with a more poignant relevance. Listen, he translates these passages as Jesus is teaching as the crowds have gathered. Jesus says, you're blessed When you're at the end of your rope, with less of you, there is more of God and God's rule. You're blessed when you feel you have lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, 
no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you will ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You, you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even for though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. You can hear in this passage that Jesus is promoting and pronouncing and proclaiming blessings upon blessings for all kinds of people in all kinds of situation. It's not limited to one kind of person or one kind of place. It's like the abundance in creation that we read about here in Genesis. You hear it again as Jesus is teaching that God's wanting to bless everyone. And even things that look to be despicable or discouraging to us, Jesus says, pay attention to those because those can be blessings as well as they drive you closer to God, as they turn you toward listening and being more with God. There is good news, my friends, throughout the Scripture this morning. The good news is that our God, the God we worship, is a God blessing all of us. During these difficult days where we're dealing with virus and violence, we have this invisible enemy of COVID-19 where we don't always know where it's going to crop up or whom it's going to strike and how deadly it's going to be. But we've also become all the more aware lately of this insidious virus called racism that hurts and demeans and dehumanizes part of God's family. It's this idea that somehow this diversity we read about in this creation story that is of God's own making can be ranked from better to worse. And of course, whoever's doing the ranking usually decides they're the better or the best and others are worse. And when that's combined with power, terrible things happen. Our Council of Bishops, which represents United Methodists from around the world, have made a statement about this. You can find it on the UMC.org website. But then our own Bishop Nunn, the United Methodist Bishop of the, 
of the Oklahoma area has written his own statement about that and sent it to all the churches. We've put it in the church paper and on the website. You can read all about it there. But I'm going to read to you a few of the sentences he wrote because I think it's so connected to what we're talking about today. After naming people from across the country who have been killed in racially motivated actions, he writes this. Oklahoma has seen its share of horrific acts as well. Within the last few weeks, a delivery man who was doing his job was detained by overzealous persons. He kept his cool, knowing that if he took any action, it could cost him his life. Then this, the virtual graduation ceremony of our own United Methodist University, Oklahoma City University, was hacked and defaced with racist filth, Bishop Nunn writes. Countless people, especially people of color, live in fear of random racist actions. Racism is not Christian. It is a lie. It is demonic. It destroys. It is not what we believe. Then before he closes the letter, he issues a call to commitment. He writes, because we believe God is the creator of all people and all are God's children in one family, and that racism is a rejection of the teachings of Jesus Christ, therefore we commit ourselves as individuals and as a community to follow Jesus Christ in word and in deed and to struggle for the rights and the self-determination of every person and group of persons. I think you can hear how the bishops and particularly Bishop Nunn grounded his statement of faith in this passage from Genesis 1 and 2 that we read this morning oh yes there is brokenness in the world but we believe God is at work to bring blessings even out of the most egregious human behavior so many people are asking what can we do now what can we do about these horrific acts of violence whether they're perpetrated by one person or a mob of people well, I can tell you there's lots of ways to act and react. I don't know which one is right for you, but I can assure you, just as we have done for the last several years, Boston Avenue Church will be a place of discussion, of conversation, because we want to be a people who work for justice and kindness and walk with God. So we'll be providing opportunities for you to learn and to act as we go throughout these months and this next year. But I'll give you just one example of how you can respond right away. Boston Avenue Church is in a partnership with the historic Vernon African Methodist Episcopal Church. They started a food ministry as a response to COVID-19. They've been providing hot meals and groceries every day to those in need, whether they were poor already or homeless or destitute already or whether they've lost a job or suffered illness and had troubles in those ways. They are feeding people. Reverend Sarah Pugh Montgomery, who was your liturgist this morning with our work area on missions, 
is helping us connect with them. We now have a schedule set up where three days a week, people from Boston Avenue can go over to Vernon, which is located in the Greenwood District, and be a part of that feeding ministry. So you can go and serve. We have a sign-up on the website you can find. You could call the church, but you don't have to go and serve. You may not be able, but you could donate food or send funds and note that it's for this feeding ministry. You can be a part of a positive response between the black community and the white community through Methodist Christians being together, serving the greater community. You can be a part of that. That's one way to act. There's so many different things we can do, but that's one of them. But as we close today, I just want to say, I hope you hold on to this idea, this notion, this belief that God is the creator of us all. That God is at work in our midst and we have to listen and discern so we're ready to respond in alignment with who we are as Christians, following the leading of God's spirit. Genesis reminds us that God creates and provides for us all. We can trust God. We can trust God even in these harrowing days of virus and violence coming together. God is with us. We are not alone, as we said in the affirmation earlier today. I believe that. I'm hoping you're believing that and hanging on to that. That is our foundation and that is our starting place. And it makes all the difference on the journey. Amen. And thanks be to God.